Alright everybody, good evening, this is Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Get a week off uh, for the first time since early September, very strange feeling, a Sunday with no football, but that's, uh, well, I don't know, I don't know if there's something going on with the Pro Bowl or not, I'm not paying attention to anything Pro Bowl related, um, kind of a mockery of the game, but therefore uh, Wiz and I thought we'd uh, talk a little football, kind of a recap of what transpired uh, last weekend in uh, Championship Weekend. Wiz, how you doing? Yeah, doing well. I think uh, exactly a week from now, the game will kind of be just kind of kicking off. Six, uh, doing a six thirty on uh, on Sunday. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, with uh, all the excitement around the game and uh, and see how it uh, plays out. And uh, as far as the point spread goes, it's uh, considered to be evenly matched teams. And uh, we'll get into that uh, certainly uh, later in the week. But I think. Uh, just want to talk about what took place on Championship Sunday last week. Yeah, look, uh, actually, one thing was I, 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 this has kind of gone on for a, a number of years now, been talked about, and I don't think you and I have actually talked about the subject at all, but there's a lot of people uh, this week clamoring about the fact that the Super Bowl should be moved to Saturday. Uh, obviously, it's almost like a, an it's basically an American holiday, even if you're not super interested in football, you're usually getting together with people that are. Um, do, you, do you see that sometime over the next five to 10 years that the Super Bowl will be moved from Sunday to Saturday to allow for uh, people to recover the next day, moving around, traveling? I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I don't, honestly, if I had a if I had to make a wager, I do not think it will happen in our lifetime. Let's put it like that. So, uh, so I hope that that that's a long time, but uh, um, I do not see that happening in the foreseeable future. I mean, I just think like, you know, no matter what, people you know will complain about something or want to change this or want to change that. But look, it is what it is. It's a long day. It's a long night. Uh, people just like you know the fact that football is played on Sunday and. You geared up for that day, and uh, you know a lot of people have uh, have get-togethers and gatherings and, uh, and, and enjoy that day. So uh, yeah, no, I, you know. I, I get it. The other thing I did not like that I also heard was this kind of move towards potentially having that final, that championship game in each conference moved to a neutral site. Uh, you know, you and I <laughs> spoke uh, pretty vocally about everything that took place in uh, leading up to the postseason with that cancellation of the Bengals. Bills game. It seems like everywhere we turn, the Bengals got a bad, a bad uh, or a raw deal. I would say, but I, I would absolutely hate that idea of taking home field advantage away from someone that earned it. Uh, in particular, we see these two teams uh, that are playing in the Super Bowl. They were one seeds. They earned it with their play during the season for the most part, and to lose that opportunity to play a game at home in the conference finals uh, seems to be a, a completely ludicrous idea. So. so uh... I have not like seen a lot of that. I mean, but for the people that are saying that, what, what's their point of view as to why that should happen? Uh, just kind of like an NFL move to kind of be another, uh, I guess, an extension of the money grab that the Super Bowl is, almost like an extension of that. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I, I would be vehemently against something like that. Come on, I mean. <laughs> You know, it's not baseball. It's not the you know NBA. There, there are you know you're playing teams playing 17 games. Every single game matters. And to some of these teams, there's a real advantage 
to playing at home. Like some of these teams that play in the Northeast, cold weather stadiums, or, you know, teams that have just tremendous crowd where the noise is so loud and it's difficult to to, to play at on the road. I mean, you know, it's exactly what you said. You've earned that home field advantage. And uh, I, I think any suggestion uh, otherwise is um, bel- <laughs> defies logic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, so let's uh, l- let's get into these uh, two games, Wiz, that were played last week. Uh, first off, the Eagles, uh, who hosted the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, the game ended up becoming a uh, just a lack of a football game pretty quickly. Um, I would say despite the fact that San Francisco was at a significant disadvantage, obviously Purdy going out very early with that injury. Um, I think uh, the one thing I felt during that game is they actually hung in there with their backup quarterback, Johnson. Obviously, when he went down and out with the concussion, uh, that was it because Purdy couldn't throw the ball. We saw the injury. Uh, he's going to have surgery on that. Uh, that leads to a, a, a very interesting offseason once again for um, for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but nonetheless, um, it was really tough to watch that game. And San Francisco was a strong team all year long. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is that they became a one-dimensional team. And it's just hard to take that game too seriously uh, after what transpired I think, though, I would say this. I felt that the San Francisco 49ers, despite that, hung in that football game. That that second fumble that led to those two quick scores before the half was just a lethal thing for the 49ers, and they just could not recover from that. Look, the the Eagles got the ball, and if you break the game down, you know, the Eagles got the ball to start, and what they've been doing um, is having these great first drives of games, and they scored a touchdown. But let's break this down a little bit here. First of all, that was an incomplete pass on fourth down to Devontae Smith. The fact that it wasn't challenged, the fact that the safety was screaming that it was incomplete and Shannon didn't challenge it. He's looking overhead of the view. But meanwhile, the safety came over and called it. Plus, if you kept your eye on Devontae Smith, who's screaming at Jalen Hurts to run up and, and yep, snap the yep, next yep. snap quickly, that was the key. So uh, that was a touchdown that never should have been. Another touchdown based on an, uh, an offensive fumble by a quarterback who hasn't played all season. Another one... Uh, where they got, I think, two or three penalties on third down that kept drives alive. I mean, I think we we, we talked about this um, the other day is kind of what's gone under the radar is the Eagles' passing offense has been inept, um, and the connection with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown looks like the connection between Tom Brady and Mike Evans from all the season where – when Brown is open, he overthrows him. When Brown, um, you know, the, the, when Brown is uh, is covered, um, he tries to throw him the ball. It just seems to be off between those two players, and uh, you know, it's a little concerning. I mean, the fact that the Eagles won those two games by large margins, you got to kind of like dig a little deeper into the game and. Uh, if the Eagles' passing offense plays that way in Super Bowl Sunday, I think they're going to have a tough time being Kansas City. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I've even talked about the fact that even at the end of the regular season, forget the Minshew games, but uh, the game against Chicago, who whose whose defense was pretty toothless towards the end of the season, 
Uh, they were able to hang in that game against Jalen Hurts. Uh, that was a game that Hurts did end, end up getting injured in, but still, nonetheless, before that, he, he, that, that game, they were struggling a bit. Uh, in that last game against the Giants, who the Giants had none of their major starters playing, that was also a closer game than it should have been. So I agree with you got to kind of peel some layers of the onion. Uh, you and I will talk in detail about that, obviously, leading into Super Bowl Sunday when, when we do our next podcast. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot to look at here. I look, the Eagles have been a, a, a really strong football team in the NFC. Obviously, they were the one seed. Both sides of the football, they're quite effective. Um, but they haven't seen the Kansas City Chiefs, is what I would say. So, you know, we'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it. But it's really hard to look at that game and, and really have an opinion on it, Wiz, because it's just not a normal football game. I mean, you have a situation where a quarterback is just in there handing balls off. They're trying trick one plays. Jet sweeps, you know, double reverses. You know, it, 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 it was very difficult to watch. In fact, you know, I, at one point, I, I just stopped watching. It was it was uh, it was a sad ending to a San Francisco Forty Nine er football season, which was very successful. This is their third trip in four years to the conference finals, and they just don't have a lot to show show for it at this point in time. And um, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, what I was going to say was I think I think all your points lead to a bigger question. Does the NFL need to start thinking about expanding rosters, expanding how many players could be uh, active on game day? Due to the concussion protocol and, like, they're, they're protecting the players, and that's fine, but uh, given the fact that, you know, a quarterback could get a hit and they're not going to let that player come back on the field, I mean, should each team – be required um, to have three active quarterbacks at least for an NFL game. I just feel like um, yeah. it, it leads to a bigger question, and it really was um, more pronounced, if you will, because of the situation and the importance of that game. But I think there really you know, possibly needs to be a discussion about active rosters and, uh, and how many quarterbacks should be active at a minimum on game day for each team. Yeah, yeah, look, it's a 54 game of 54 man roster every game day. Uh there are a lot of decisions that go into who's active and who's not active based on injury reports, weather conditions, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes teams are forced to have two kickers going just in case someone gets hurt. Uh I would agree with you was I think 100% uh three quarterbacks should be mandated. Yeah, you know, at least I mean they just have to do something where quarterbacks um you know, having a you know have an emergency player ready a quarterback, somebody brought up from the practice squads. You yep. know, in, in that type of case, I just feel like uh, you, the last thing you want is a non-competitive game. And uh, let's be honest, even for an NFC Championship game and the importance of that, it was a it was a non-competitive game. Yeah, non-competitive, and and that's why you can't really measure the Eagles' performance, right? Like you know, they're getting good field position as a result. The San Francisco's forced to try different things. It, it's just not a normal football game. So, uh, it w- obviously, we will talk more in detail about our opinions about what we think going into next week. But uh, I just 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 food for thought at this point in time. Um, the, the other game was completely different situation. Um, you know, a lot of chatter going into the game, Joe Burrow undefeated against Patrick Mahomes, all three games, three point, uh, wins by the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it was a cold day, but both quarterbacks played tremendously. Obviously what Patrick Mahomes has done on, on a, on a, on an injured ankle has been pretty phenomenal. Uh, Burrow wasn't particularly fantastic in this ball game. I think that, uh, offensive line showed, so, so, so showed some holes, uh, 
Um, Chris Jones has been wreaking havoc all season long, uh, and the Kansas City defense played particularly well. Um, it, it was a great football game. It could have gone either way. Uh, I think the thing I walk away from that football game, and, and I hate uh, so two things I, I I walk away from it that I that I really didn't like was uh, I felt there was inconsistent and poor officiating. First of all, it was something that played the league all all season uh, to have that play out in an in an NFL in this case the AFC uh, conference final w- was sad to see. Different things like late hits on quarterbacks, blocks in the backs on that last return. I, I didn't like what I saw there. Um, the, the last play, and a, and a game being determined by a penalty, which was a penalty. Um, that happens, and unfortunately, young man Osai is going to learn from that. And I'd say the other thing that really bothers me was, and I, I know we're in a different era of social media and what's being said and all that So. I, I know some of the stuff was funny after the game and all, but I just don't like all that yelling and screaming. I, I just would like to see a little bit more professionalism. And uh, I, I didn't love seeing kind of the the bulletin board material that was made uh, early before this matchup took place and then kind of the way it played out afterwards. I don't like that kind of crap. That's what I would say. Two things I walk away from that game, which was a great football game, but two things I walk away from with sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I think, you know, the officiating, you hate to see a game, and and then after the game is over, you think the officiating could have changed the outcome of the game. But there were some horrible calls. Um the, the fact that they couldn't get the clock right and, oh, yeah. the, the, and and Cincinnati never got that ball back after Kelsey caught that short completion and they were going to punt it away. And then the clock, they, they, they didn't count the play. There was a clock issue. I've never seen a do-over do, a do down like that. Which stemmed from the play before. And then the next play is, a, is a, they, they sack Mahomes and there's a defensive holding penalty against Cincinnati. Like, there were a lot of things. Um, then they called that. I don't even know how they called that intentional grounding. Samaj P. Ryan was literally two feet from the ball when he threw to him. You know, listen. The NFL has got to think about changing some of these rules. And the one thing I'm convinced about is the NFL should head coaches should allow to be you know challenge roughing penalties and intentional grounding penalties right away when there's a you know a review and you're able to look at it. That Samaje Pilon play was not intentional grounding. Nope, nope. And um, just, a, just a horrendous call. And, horrendous. Uh, I think the NFL needs to sit down and think about what plays can be challenged because some of these calls are real game changers and um, you, you just feel like some coaches can you know, challenge. Some plays the coaches can challenge, some they can't. Well, it depends on the type of play. But um, that that call was just blatantly missed and uh, – Boy, I think I think in the in the second half, Cincinnati got some uh, bad breaks in terms of the officiating. Oh yeah, no question. That was a block in the back on, on that return, uh, without a doubt. And uh, you mentioned the pre Ryan thing, ridiculous. You know, I, I talked about this a few years ago with people. I, I was I, I was very unsettled. And the NFL does not have permanent officials. A lot of these guys have other jobs, right? So. 
all of these guys have gone to the booth, the Terry McCauley's, the, the, uh, the Mike Steratore, Pereira, you know, and they're all opining about these things. The NFL makes a shitload of money, excuse my French, <laughs> but they do. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, get some of these guys hired back to, to, to oversee, like you're saying, where you're reviewing some of these questionable calls because they're blatantly obvious when you look at it on tape. Granted, things are moving very quickly uh, in a football game. I understand that. But there are things that can be done to fix this. And the NFL has to open up their coffers, spend some of their money, and make the game not be determined by lousy calls. And I'm sorry, but... And and the other problem is these officiating crews don't work together during the regular season. It's a hodgepodge of guys... It's just, I, 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 I just, that game should not have been determined in that fashion was I just had a really bad taste in my mouth from what I saw. Um, I'm not saying that some of the calls weren't right or wrong, but I, you know, some of them, some of them were definitely incorrect. And that looked like a officiating crew that was, could not get out of its own way uh, last Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, just, and he's talking more, a little bit more about the X and O's and we'll, we'll, we'll have a full breakdown uh, of the game, um, but but just in terms of the X and O's, you know, it's the same thing. Just bothers me about some of these powerhouse AFC teams, Kansas City and Buffalo. Is that they just can't when they need the tough yards, they they're afraid to run the ball. Um, they 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 just they always rely on the quarterback passing and. Uh, I, I just my concern is like these third and twos, third and threes that is, these teams just don't, you know, Kansas City, you know, in Buffalo, but Kansas City's playing this game. They they're unwilling or can't or a combination of both run to get these tough yards. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like they both put so much pressure on their on their quarterbacks. These teams. I know the game has changed, but. Kansas City has a different type of running back than they've had in these last four or five years. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see when it comes Super Bowl Sunday and these situations are obviously going to happen where you have third and one, third and two. Are they willing with that really good offensive line to play some power football and hand the ball off Pacheco? Or is it going to be continuously finesse play after finesse play, even on third and short? Yeah, I would say this was, first of all, I commend that the Chiefs uh, did what they did, uh, drafting uh, Pacheco in the seventh round. Uh, He runs with a purpose. He runs like he's touching the ball for the last time every time he runs with the football. Um, In the second half of the season, he has been a real force. I think the confidence has increased in him catching the ball out of the backfield as well, uh, which he had a couple of big catches in uh, in that game last week. Uh, but I, I think your point's correct. But, um, you know, we, we remember all the fuss around Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We don't even, that name's not even being brought up. We're not even hearing that name anymore. I, I don't know if he's healthy, not healthy. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco uh, is going to be a name to watch in the Super Bowl. Perhaps he makes a name for himself. Uh, I know the Eagles have a very, very strong defense, no question about it. Uh, but I, I, am, I am impressed watching uh, Isaiah Pacheco uh, progress as a player over the course of the second half of the season was. Yeah, he really runs with a purpose. He's, he's just a different type of running back than Kansas City has had, um, you know, over the over these over these you know years with their success. And I, I just I don't know, it, it just the 
unwillingness to try and play some power football. And considering that they have such a terrific offensive line, a little bit surprised about that. But uh, who knows? Maybe they will try and do that in the game, and we'll see if they have success, success doing it. But, um, you know, that that's where these games a lot of times are really won and lost. Yeah, and I wonder, was you know, we, we've just been watching uh, just an unbelievable display. I know, I know there was some question marks coming into this game with Travis Kelsey, but, you know, no one, I don't, you know, even as much credit as Luana Rumo has gotten as a defense coordinator, especially against uh, Kansas City Chiefs, no one has found a way to stop Travis Kelsey. Uh, and uh, even with multiple receivers down, it looks like some of those guys are going to play next week. Uh, but, you know, he just he's just had, a, uh, you know, an, an incredible uh, postseason and uh, yet another incredible season at age 32. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no question about that. It doesn't matter what defense you employ, and I've seen teams put some of the best defensive players in the entire league. I mean, you know, the Rams tried Jalen Ramsey, um, the Chargers, Derwin James. I mean, you're talking about the the top players at the position in the entire NFL. And uh, honestly, I'm just waiting for the team that's going to kind of like Belichick the Chiefs, where. They'll say, okay, listen, if you got to throw it to everyone else and we're going to cover everyone else man-to-man, we're going to do that, but we're going to bracket Kelsey and we're going to you know, just assign two guys to him on every single play, no matter where he goes. And look, if Scantling and some of these other guys can do it, that's fine. But I'm just amazed that teams are unwilling to try and take Travis Kelsey away. Yeah, yeah that's pretty, uh, it is pretty amazing to watch. So yeah, looking forward to the Super Bowl Wiz. Um, definitely, we'll have a lot more as as, uh, as the week progresses. We'll uh, we'll do a full slate of uh, you know prop bets and uh, what we think about the game. Uh, two things that I, I did want to talk about real quick before we wrap it up. Uh, obviously, uh, there are coaching vacancies that are that are look like they're working their way through. The big one uh, that was announced this week was uh, the, the, Sean, the Sean Payton trade. Um, it seems like the Denver Broncos have now mortgaged their future for both their coach and their quarterback at this point in time in terms of draft picks. Uh, seemed like an expensive price to pay, but nonetheless, uh, they've paid it. So that's one less opening on the on the coaching front. Uh, Arizona is still trying to find their head coach. Indianapolis is holding uh, second round or third round interviews for their, for their coach, uh, obviously, Carolina went with Frank Reich, so we'll see what happens with that. But to me, that looked like a very expensive choice. And the other thing is, was this time uh, last year, we talked about Tom Brady retiring. There was kind of questioning whether that would actually uh, come to fruition. I think this time it's for real, uh, and we don't see Tom Brady going to the Raiders or the Dolphins or back to the Patriots or anything like that, or to the 49ers for that matter. Um, it's kind of sad the way his kind of life has played out this year. I think uh, Brady maybe would have done a lot of things differently. Uh, it always is very difficult going through something tumultuous uh, in the public eye. Uh, look, Tom Brady's been a pleasure to watch. Um, he's basically been around since the early 2000s. Um, an incredible career, uh, but I think that's uh, officially going to be it. Maybe we'll be seeing him on Fox this coming season. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, those were the two big stories and, um, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be building uh, from the ground up again. Yeah, that's very, very true. You know, it's just interesting. You know, you, you think about it, you know, you know, growing up, you know, you get this, you get the feeling that we never got to see the greatest baseball players, uh, of all time play at all, or certainly in their prime. 
um, you know, Willie Mays and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and uh, Ted Williams and on and on and on. They, you know, a lot of those players really are the 50s and 60s, and I would never dispute that. There are great players playing today, but I think there's some sense of fortune that we have been able to see the greatest quarterbacks play. You know, certainly you and I have watched them play and talking about uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, the guys in the last decade, and certainly the 80 quarterback guys in the 80s, Montana and Elway and Marino. Um, and I, I just think, you know, very fortunate that we got to see it live watching um, the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. And I think uh, there's a lot to be fortunate about regarding watching uh, oh, yeah. Tom Brady's career play out. What's amazing was you you didn't mention probably potential future Hall of Famers in Roethlisberger, uh, Philip Rivers, uh, sure. uh, Eli Manning, right? Like I mean, just we've been, yeah. like you said, we have just seen a, a barrage of tremendous players. I think the current you know, let's face it, Dak Prescott was the youngest quarterback in the playoffs this year. Uh, sorry, not in the playoffs, but in, in the final eight, because uh, after Brady got knocked out, he was 29, and he was the youngest guy that was left. Um, there's a new generation coming up, and it's a different kind of generation. I think Patrick Mahomes is playing the position different than anybody has in history. Um, his success rate to start his career has been nothing nothing but earth-shattering to start, and uh, you know he gets the chance to potentially put a second uh, Super Bowl championship uh uh, on his resume, but yeah, I, I agree. We 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 definitely had a, a fun fun time, and over the last twenty twenty five years, watching these very very talented football players make the NFL game uh, the better game that it is today. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. And then the one thing that I'm thinking about is, you know, I know you and I like to kind of like you know see how teams play at the end of the season and kind of make mental notes or actually write stuff down for the following year and see how that pole vaults them to the following season. And I'm having a tough time with the Buffalo Bills um, because part of me wants to say that all of that emotion was taken out of them and they, they, it was just too much too soon. But also part of me watches them on the football field and ever since the Von Miller injury, they didn't seem to be a great football team. A lot of holes in their game. So when you're looking at the Buffalo Bills, thinking about next year as a team, um, I think both things can be true. I'm just, you know, which do you give more weight to? The emotion of everything that happened with Hamlin uh, is certainly part of it. But honestly, from an X's and O's standpoint, they, they didn't look good for a long period of time. And, uh, I'm just wondering if it's just one of these things where there's a lot of holes in their game that they need to repair, uh, and it's not all based on the emotion of what took place. Yeah, no, I I agree with the latter, actually. Um, I think one frustrating thing watching the Buffalo Bills, and I, th I think they, they, they made a very wise draft pick in, in James Cook, but the, the one thing that they seem to do on offense frequently is, and you talked about you talked about it a little while ago when you were talking about AFC teams not wanting to run the ball, they, they abandon the run too quickly or completely forget about that. They, they, and even a guy like Singletary, who's been an effective player in this league, I think they just shy away from that for whatever reason. Um, 
And they may want to take a look at some of their play calling and balancing things out a little bit more. You don't want to constantly be putting it on your quarterback. And I know for a lot of this season, Josh Allen was playing injured. Um, you also, he, he throws his body around with reckless abandon as well. So one of these days he's going to pay a price for that. Thankfully, he's a big, strong guy. So that's not been the case thus far. Uh, but I think, they, I think they need to play call differently. Uh, I think if uh, they take a look at things, I think there may be a necessity for a little bit more balance in that offense, Wiz. Yeah, I agree. I I agree with that. I, I just, they're, you know, they, they, they're they just more finessed and tough, and I just think they need to become tougher as a team. And uh, that defense, you know, that, that game against Cincinnati did not have great conditions for that game. And Joe Burrow and that Bengals offense was moving up and down the field like they were playing – in 80 degree weather in a park in the seven on seven drills. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I agree with you. I just think, um, you know, Buffalo's an interesting team to analyze for next year. And, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah. I think the, the one team that I have my eye on and, and I am surprised that Peyton ended up taking that job with, but, uh, when I look at what transpired in Dallas this week with seven assistant coaches going, but the head coach staying, uh, to me, if I'm Sean Payton watching that situation, and we've heard about Payton attached to the, you know, potentially attached to the Dallas Cowboys because he did spend time as an assistant coach there back in the Parcells days. But if I'm watching what took place this week, I'm saying to myself, what are the chances Mike McCarthy's going to be coaching? I mean, to get rid of seven assistant coaches and leave your head coach, uh, that is a head scratcher to me. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who played some terrific football in spots this year, but in other times, they really look like a team that was – and I think they will be going through a lot of changes because I think Tony Pollard's going to become the main dog. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott will be phased out or moved on from. And, uh, you know, Dak Prescott made way too many mistakes this year. Um, so I'll be watching that team closely was uh, in, in the offseason. And I have my eyes on the Panthers. I think the Panthers are ready to take over that division. They they have a playoff defense, if not better than a playoff defense, maybe even a you know a championship type defense. And they had the ground and pound working, and now they get an offensive coach in there. Um, and with the ninth pick, uh, my eyes on Carolina. When I'm looking at a aging Saints. Panther, uh, the the Tampa Bay just mentioned going through all changes. Some of the same players that have been great, kind of aging. Atlanta in disarray. I think there's a real chance for Carolina to get a stranglehold and become the elite team in that division. And uh, I'm going to really be watching Carolina to see what they do in the draft. Um, if they could get themselves a little better off on offense, that offensive line was playing great. Some of that ground and power, the running game looked good, and that defense is terrific. So uh, I have eyes on the Panthers for next year. You know, it's funny, was we've done pretty good at recognizing uh, some shifts in momentums and teams over the last since this podcast has been going. Right, well, I think we had our eyeball on Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. I think that was the first time that we talked about it uh, last year. We we talked uh, coming into this season, the Detroit Lions, we thought they were a team to watch. Uh, to me, the Lions were better than maybe half the playoff teams, even though they didn't make it. But when you take a look at it, I think the Lions would have put a better fight against most of these teams in, in the playoffs. Uh, 
I'm very excited about what they have going on in the offseason with two picks in the first round, as well as getting Jamal Williams for a full season. So there should still be significant excitement around the Detroit Lions. But I, I, I like your call on Carolina. And like I said, we, we, we've been pretty good at calling these kind of shifts in momentum for teams. And uh, I like that call for the, for the Carolina Panthers, Wiz. Absolutely. So we'll be back uh, later in the week and uh, really break down from a betting perspective and analyzing X's and O's for this uh, championship game between the Eagles and the uh, and, uh, Chiefs. All right. It was fantastic. Great job. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Uh, good to see things warming up around here after a couple of cold days. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you uh, in full detail talking about Super Bowl Sunday. So, uh Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple's Podcast, and SoundCloud. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the ride this season. we got uh, one more to go. So, Wiz, enjoy, and uh, we'll talk later. You got it.